China calling on the Philippines to stop creating maritime tensions following their latest incident in disputed waters. Meanwhile, senior U.S. and Philippine security officials tackle that sea collision with Washington reaffirming its support for Manila. We'll discuss this simmering maritime row between the Philippines and China with Strat-based ADR Institute President Professor Dindo Manhit later on in the program. Hamas releases two more Israeli hostages and House lawmaker Franz Castro files a grave threat complaint against former President Rodrigo Duterte. Hi, I'm Carmina Constantino. Dateline Philippines begins right now. Hey, thanks for joining us. For those of you watching us on YouTube and on Facebook, nice to have you with us today. Topping the midday news, China urging the Philippines to stop creating more tensions in the West Philippine Sea. The maritime row between the two countries escalated once again Sunday after illegal maneuvers by Chinese vessels led to collisions with Philippine ships on a resupply mission to the Ayungan Shoal. But China claims it was the Philippines' side that conducted dangerous maneuvers. We feel that it is the Philippine side that should really stop provocation. The Philippines ignored China's goodwill and sincerity, reneged on its own commitments, and repeatedly sent vessels into the waters of Rinai Reef, deliberately provoking, spreading false information, and hyping up issues. China on the agenda as top security officials of the Philippines and the U.S. speak over the phone. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan talked to his Philippine counterpart Eduardo Año, where he reiterated Washington's support for Manila following Sunday's collision. They also reaffirmed the enduring alliance between the two countries, as well as the commitments of the U.S. under the Mutual Defense Treaty. Meanwhile, an official of the National Security Council slams China for accusing the Philippines of hyping up maritime issues. The entire world now knows that the collision that happened in the West Philippine Sea was caused by the dangerous maneuvers of Chinese Coast Guard vessels acting in concert with the Chinese maritime militia. But the false narratives coming from Beijing is the one creating these tensions and the movements of the Chinese Coast Guard and Chinese maritime militia in the West Philippine Sea during Aurora missions are the ones increasing tensions and definitely not the Philippines. NSC Assistant Director General Jonathan Malaya also vows they will continue guarding Philippine waters despite China's overwhelming presence. There's a lot of movement going on. Uh, we are, again, uh, monitoring a large number of Chinese maritime militia vessels, not only in the vicinity of Ayungan Shoal or in the vicinity of uh, Bajo de Masinlok, but also in other features. We're doing right now um, more maritime patrols and uh, freedom of navigation um, missions across the West Philippine Sea. Uh, based on our limited capacity. This is a battle for the resources of our country, particularly those of our fishermen. In other news, House Minority Lawmaker Franz Castro files a grave threat complaint against former President Rodrigo Duterte. The case stems from Duterte's interview with SMNI Network, where he appeared to threaten to kill Castro. 
Duterte made his tirades after the House of Representatives stripped the offices of his daughter, Vice President Sara Duterte, of confidential funds. This is the first criminal complaint filed against the former president since his term ended last year. And we'll be speaking now with the former chief presidential legal counsel of former President Duterte, Attorney Sal Panelo. Attorney Panelo, good afternoon to you. Thanks for joining us today and welcome to the program. Yeah, absolutely, Carmine. All right, so what do you make of this? Congressman Franz Castro filing the first ever criminal complaint against former President Rodrigo Duterte for um, threatening, allegedly threatening her in that SMNI interview. Your thoughts? Well, absolutely, there is no legal basis. I think that has been filed for propaganda purposes. Number one, was uh, if there was any threat at all, was she, was she the person being uh, threatened? There is no, I don't, I don't remember the president saying, former president saying, Franz Castro. What I, I heard him say was, Franz and then you communists, I want to kill. That's what I heard. Who was he That's referring to? But who was he referring to then? The communists. All the communists. Who was the friends that he was re referring to? I don't know. Why don't we ask him? Is it there is no particular. There are many. Friends. There. Are, there was no mention of any family name. Mm. And and. Uh... Moreover. Robert Carmina, let, let me finish. When the president, former president, says, You communists, I want to kill, he's just expressing an intent. <laughs> he wants to. That's not a crime. An intention to commit is not a crime. He was not threatening anyone. He was, in fact, saying that the state has the right to protect itself. And the state can perform acts in accordance with law. And you have to connect that with the principle of self-defense. And the state acts through the elected officials and the appointed officials. Mm. So this intelligence funds, what he was saying is that these confidential intelligence funds are precisely being used to protect the state. Let me just go back to what you said a while ago. You said that he was merely expressing his intent to kill. How is that not a threat, Attorney Panello? It's not a threat because a threat would be, I will kill you. But if you say, I want to kill you, that's only expressing a desire. And that desire is not a threat to your mind? Number one, as I said, it doesn't even refer to her. So what is the basis for the complaint? You are the offended person? <laughs> Maybe you feel alluded to, but uh, the alleged offender does not refer to you. It, it refers to a general class of people who want to destroy the state, who want to kill the state and all its officers. Mm. Even so, there's now a case pending. A case has been filed against the no former case. president. As a, lawyer, as, a, as a lawyer, I don't see any legal basis for the filing 
except for the propaganda purposes. But the former president still has to answer, right? Well, if he receives a subpoena, then he will have to respond. Either he wants to respond or ignores it. Mm -hmm. And then the prosecutor investigating it will have to determine whether there is probable cause on the basis of the complaint filed by the complaint. What do you make of the fact that the House of Representatives stood by Congressman Franz Castro? We should ask them why they feel that it was the representative being referred to. And, and you know, I uh, we were able to speak with Congresswoman Franz Castro, I think a day after those um, lines were uttered by the former president in that SMNI interview. And she said, you know, the former president, uh, in so many words, was quite um, um, intelligent in a way that he left out. He left out the last name. Was that on purpose, uh, Attorney Panello, for the president, to, the former president, to do that, so as not to uh, make the a direct connection? Go ahead. The president, when, as far as I know, style, he expresses himself directly. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't equivocate. He's always an equivocal. And when he says, you communists, he refers to all the communists. But if uh, the representative feels she is a communist, that's another story. That is therefore an admission that she is one of those part of the forces that want to destroy the state, and therefore an enemy of the state. Hence, the state acting through its representatives can perform acts in accordance with law to stop them yeah. from so doing. You can see it as that, being the former alter ego of the president as well, when he was still in office. But what do you make of the possibility that the former president's followers, and there are still a lot, would take his word and follow through um, what he said in that interview, and therefore putting the life of the congresswoman in danger? The I don't think she's in danger. In fact, she was the one who said, assuming that she was the one being referred to. She's no longer the president. In other words, she doesn't have the power, nor the wherewithal, the capacity, the resources to do it. He's now, mm. the former president is a private citizen. Therefore, she, he has the freedom to express himself on matters concerning national interests. He's not just a private citizen. He's a private citizen who was a former president. Well, he was a former president, but the fact remains he is a private citizen now. As uh, Representative Castro said, you are no longer the president, therefore you have no power. Necessarily, you have no power, you don't have the resources. When was the last time that you spoke with the former president, Attorney Panello? The other day. Mm. Well, we didn't talk about that. We talk about other things. Like? Like how he's spending his retirement. Mm. Like he wants to sleep more often. Mm. Do you... Like he wants to just relax and play with his kids. Mm. And uh, with the particular. Because of 
the filing of this case by Congresswoman Franz Castro because of that entire interview. Do you, do you think that the president, and do you think this is an advice that you'd be giving him, um, that he should be more circumspect about granting these interviews and um, saying um, things that might endanger other people or even, you know, put him in a very compromising situation? Go ahead. First, that was an interview. That was his program. He was uh, expressing his uh, thoughts on a matter brought to his attention. And relative to be, being advised as to circumspection, I do not think you need to advise him. He's a lawyer. He, he knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He's a thinking former president. And because there's this case filed now, um, do you have anything, any any uh, information about the legal team that will be uh, formed um, to help the former president regarding this case? No, I do not know. As I said earlier, he can either respond if he wants to or just ignore it and let the prosecutor determine whether there is probable cause or not. If there is none, then he, the prosecutor investigating can dismiss the case. If there is one, there is no response from the former president, then, then he can file it in court. And that's the time the former president would have to respond, formally. Attorney Sal Panella there, former chief presidential legal counsel of former president Rodrigo Duterte. Thank you so much for taking our call. I appreciate it. Thank you. A town in the province of Albay placed under the poll body's control ahead of the village and youth council elections next week. Authorities assure the public they are ready to maintain the peace during the polls. Let's get the details from Raya Kapulong. One week before the Barangay and Sangguni Angkabataan elections, all preparations by the PNP, COMELEC, AFP, Philippine Coast Guard, DepEd and other concerned agencies are already in place. On Monday, the simultaneous multi-agency send-off and the turnover of government forces and resources ceremony was held at Camp Krame in preparation for the polls. Sana mapanatili nating lahat kasama kayo na partners ng commission election ang preparasyon na ginagawa natin para sa barangay SK election. Sana ang mga kandidato kasama na ang mga butante ay laging susunod sa ating mga patakaran. Together, we will ensure that the BSKE is conducted with integrity, fairness, and in the spirit of democracy, allowing the voices of our people to be heard loud and clear. In addition to Negros Oriental, the municipality of Libon in Albay has also been placed under Comlec control due to several killings involving local officials, including a barangay chairman shot by a riding in tandem gunman. Dito po sa Libon, sa Albay, minarapat ng inyong commission ng elections na ilagay siya sa Comelec Control. Base na rin sa rekomendasyon ng ating PNP, AFP, Coast Guard at ng uh, regional Comelec namin. Uh, dahil nga sa pangyayari noong uh, August. As of October 22, out of the 109 recorded violent incidents, there have been 22 validated election-related incidents. 23 suspected election-related incidents, and 64 non-election-related incidents. 
The latest incidents this Sunday include the fatal shooting of a candidate for councillor who was declared dead on arrival while the sitting chairman of Barangay Maingatan Masbate City sustained injuries. Also, a barangay captain candidate from Barangay Bayawas, Pangasinan was shot and killed Sunday night. The PNP has placed 361 villages nationwide under the red category of areas of concern. This means that security is tighter in these areas due to various reasons. The PNP also confirmed that several candidates from ABRA visited Camp Krami on Monday to discuss their security concerns. First, nagkaroon ng um, agreement between the elders or from among the elders for them to withdraw. Meron din yung bakakulang sila sa mga uh, panggastos uh, during the campaign period and yung may, they might be threatened. So these are the various reasons that has yet to be validated. The PNP says they are in control of the situation in the province. Over 187,000 police personnel have been deployed with additional forces being mobilized to the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region and Negros Oriental. But the PNP appeals to the public for help and cooperation in achieving a peaceful and orderly elections. Raya Kapulong, ABS-CBN News. One person killed in a village chairman candidate wounded after a gunman opened fire during a campaign activity in Masbate. Irene Perol now joins us with more on this. Irene, over to you. Carmina, one farmer was killed and a barangay chairman candidate was injured in a shooting incident yesterday morning at Sitio Laray, Barangay Tanawan, Placer, Masbate. Abraham Dolores, a civilian supporter, died on the spot from multiple gunshot wounds while on a house-to-house -house campaign together with Nehemian Siam, a Punong Barangay candidate. Nehemian and another company, Jewel Siam, sustained gunshot wounds and were declared safe and stable. Placer PNP says the group was ambushed by more or less six persons believed to be members of the New People's Army. Suspects fled right after the incident and authorities conducted hot pursuit operations but have not yielded positive results as of the moment. This is the second shooting incident this week in Masbate province involving candidates for the upcoming Barangay and Sangguniang Kabataan election. Back to you, Carmina. Thanks a lot. Irene Perol there joining us on the line. Back here in the newsroom, the Philippine poll body holds the final testing and sealing of vote counting machines that will be used in the village and youth council polls in Cavite. Meanwhile, the Comelec continued its operations to take down illegal campaign materials. Let's get more from our correspondent, Victoria Tulaji, joins us live from Pasay City. Victoria, over to you. That's correct, Carmina. Comelec Chairman George Garcia himself led the Oplan Baklas that was conducted in Barangay 162 here in Pasay City at around 10 this morning. Uh, with the help of personnel from the local government unit and the Philippine National Police, Garcia removed illegal campaign posters in a narrow alley that were tied to electrical wires. He did the same thing in nearby barangays 163, 164, and 165 in Pasay. The poll body clarified that even if residents allow campaign posters to be put up in front of their houses, if these are tied to electrical wires, then these are illegal. Campaign materials must only be placed in common poster areas 
which are usually found in plazas and markets. Garcia says they will file cases of illegal campaigning. Those who have pending cases, may it be about illegal campaigning, premature campaigning, or any election offense, will not be proclaimed in the event that he wins the elections. The case must first be resolved and succession will be implemented to fill the vacancy in a position. So, for example, if a candidate for village chief wins but has a pending case, then he will not be able to sit. The village councillor who gets the most number of votes will serve as barangay chairman for the meantime. Meanwhile, Garcia said that three more instances of election-related violence have been reported to them, specifically shooting incidents, one in Cotabato, Masbate, and Pangasinan. Comelec is very concerned about election-related violence, so they are closely monitoring the security with PNP and other agencies. Yesterday, Comelec finished the final testing and sealing of vote-counting machines that will be used in pilot areas in Cavite. Although the October 30 elections is manual, meaning voters will write in their ballots, three sites will have automated elections to pilot test the effectivity of the system during the BSKE. These villages are Barangay Paliparan 3 and Barangay Zone 2 in Dasmarinas and Barangay Pasong Tamo in Quezon City. Hermina Comelec says tomorrow they will hold the final testing and sealing of vote counting machines that will be used for Barangay Pasong Tamo in Quezon City. This procedure ensures that the machines will be operational prior to election day. Hermina. Thanks a lot. Victoria Tula there joining us live. We're going to take a break now up ahead. The health department calls on the public to be vigilant with over a thousand new COVID-19 cases recorded last week. We'll give you details of that story and more after the break. You're watching Dateline Philippines here on ANC. Back with more news this time on the maritime row between China and the Philippines. A security expert warning encounters between the two countries in disputed waters will likely continue. Ray Powell says Chinese aggression may persist due to what he describes as the Philippines' distinct problem in its right to make that fight to assert its sovereign rights. The Philippines has the hardest problem. And I say that because the Philippines has two things that nobody else has. First, the Philippines has a large Chinese military base in its exclusive economic zone. That's Mr. Reef. No other country has that. Second, uh, the Philippines has an active blockade against one of its outposts, the outpost aboard BRP Sierra Madre on Ayungin Shoal. No other country has that. So there is this built-in monthly or 40, every month or 45 days, you're going to have a confrontation guaranteed. There has to be a resupply. The resupply has to be escorted. And China is going to oppose the resupply in some manner. So the Philippines has a unique uh, and a uniquely difficult problem in the South China Sea. Well, for think tank Strat-based ADR Institute, it's high time that the Philippine government activate joint patrols with its allies like the U.S. and Japan to counter China's aggression in Philippine waters. Joining us now to discuss this is the president of Strat-based ADR Institute, Professor Dindo Manhit. Professor, nice to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Carmina, for the invitation, and welcome. And I 
hope to contribute to the discussion on this important issue. For sure, as you always do. But first of all, Professor Manhit, the coalition, judging from the condemnation that China has gotten from other countries, even before uh, the coalition that happened over the weekend um, for China's past aggressions, China, as some would say, didn't need this coalition to happen. So I want to get your reading. Was this a miscalculation on the part of China? Was it a deliberate attempt to escalate tensions on the part of China? What's your reading on this? I think this is a, you cannot say it's an accident. You cannot, for me, it, it's still not considered escalation, but I think they're testing their resolve of the Philippines to continue strengthening itself from uh, from really fighting this aggression coming from China because I think they are trying to bully us, to soften us, to resolve the, the current government under Marcos Jr. What we need is really as we continue to develop this strong relationship with different countries, we hear of trilateral relationship with regards to different maritime cooperation. Maybe it's time for us to encourage this discussion to go to the next level. Mm. Why don't we yeah, implement and, talk, and execute? Yes. Yeah, and we're going to talk yes, to that me. next. Uh, talk about that next level now because I don't know if you heard another um, expert, who Mr. Powell, who had an interview with ANC earlier today, saying that this is the scenario that happened is likely going to be the scenario moving forward. Would you say that it's really up to the Philippines now to change the flow of the narrative? And the only way to do that is by way of the trilateral um, exercises, joint patrols, as you said, between um, the, the Philippines and the U.S., the Philippines and Japan, or even um, the three countries going ahead with um, their patrols. Go ahead, Professor. You know, Carmina, I totally agree with Colonel Powell in the sense that what is happening here is we're being seen as a weak country. That only thing that we can do is protest and, and statements coming from our allies, friends, and partners who have maritime cooperation with us. And I think this is the status quo. We have entered this position now that, you know, six years of appeasing China during the previous government, they were surprised with the resolve of President Marcos to stand up on this issue. So now maybe they're pushing him to weaken his to weaken his state his position policy statements and position of government so for me let's elevate and strengthen a capacity to push back uh, not by agitating but by simply defending what is ours through the help of ca countries that believe that under a rules based international order these areas are considered west philippine sea our exclusive economic zone and some are even within our sovereign territory mm. So bringing to that level of not only the U.S., Australia, and Japan that has signified possible trilaterals with us, but countries that has offered us maritime cooperation. We have seen the visit of Canada, uh, the commitment of uh, India to strengthen relationship with us, EU countries. So the whole world can see that countries who believe on these values of respecting each other country can support a country, a small country like the Philippines. Mm. And we can collectively stand up and deter this aggression by China. Mm. Now, it can go both ways. One is that China bends a knee. Um, the other is it can be seen as a way of escalating uh, tensions in the West Philippine Sea. 
Which of the two? That is the line of China. That's the line of China. Mm -hmm. Aren't they escalating already? Have they not escalated against our own Coast Guard, against our regular resupply? This is within our sovereign rights as a nation. This is within our exclusive economic zone based on international law. They have escalated. So why do we need to follow their point of view? So it's time for us also to maintain peace and stability because I think not only us, but the whole even of ASEAN believes in a rules-based international order. Our neighbors east of us also, like Korea and Japan, believes that. So it's time for us also to say that you cannot just bully us and push us around because we have friends who can, who we can all hope to deter you from acting this way. Mm. So you can be a responsible nation in the region. Mm. And do you think that China has it within herself to think that way? Because we've seen it in the past six years. China believes what it wants to believe. China does what she wants to do. The premise of your question, Vermina, was six years. No? We made them believe that they can push us around. And now we have a government that is standing ground uh, and, and even making it an international transparency issue by showing the world all these actions of China. Mm. Hoping, I'm hoping that uh, if they see themselves really as a respectable uh, nation that is part of an international system, that they can really step backward, especially when they see other nations going beyond statements, but jointly patrolling us in the name of freedom of navigation, in the name of rules-based international system. Professor, you mentioned showing the world We've shown the world the past couple of months, we've been transparent about what is happening in the West Philippine Sea. And some countries, like-minded countries, rules-based countries, have listened, watched, whatever it is that the Philippines has put out there. Um, but China, for its part, has been playing the victim card in the past couple of days. Who is the audience of China? Who is listening to China at this point? The audience of China is uh, their own internal population justifying their actions but the audience of china if it's the world it would not work because it's reflective on the support of the philippines with regards to these areas it is seen as one that is ours based on the arbitral award of 2016 so we should continue to say this raise this issue because our audience here is really a global world who respects uh who respects uh the rules and the international order. And finally, what's your reading, uh, Professor Manhit? Do you think China is hurting as we speak with all the condemnation coming from other countries, with the way um, the bullying is being showed to the rest of the world? They will project that they are not hurting, but their actions is reflective that they're hurting because they have become very aggressive to the point that maybe they cannot accept that they have made a mistake in continuous aggression with regards of peaceful nation, which is the Philippines, which has been tried to be a good neighbor to them, even in the past six years of the previous government. But what they have done to us is continue to bully us, to surrender, as we continue to appease them and be subservient to their interests. But that's not the interest of the Filipino people and the interest of this government today. Professor Din Dumanhit, they are president of Stratbase ADR Institute. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for taking our call. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.
Right, from there we're going to move on to other news this noon. The Catholic Bishops Conference of the Philippines withdraws its membership from government's anti-insurgency task force. The CBCP drew flag after it joined the executive committee of NTF-LCAC last month. The task force has been repeatedly criticized for labeling government critics, including some religious groups, as communist collaborators. The CBCP now says it will continue engaging with the government body, but only as an external force. Karoon nga ito ng isang malalim na usapin din. Yung ugnaya namin andutum pa rin, pero yung execom, kumbaga wala na kami. As Filipinos begin preparing for the long holiday this coming weekend, the Philippine Health Department warns them against COVID-19 complacency. The DOH points out the country has logged 1,146 new cases last week, and at least nine COVID-19-related deaths have also been recorded so far this month. 221 remain in critical condition. Over 78 million Filipinos have already been vaccinated against the virus, but the DOH is still urging the public to complete their booster shots and take safety precautions, especially those belonging to vulnerable groups. The Philippine government partners with social media companies to raise awareness on the importance of cybersecurity. This follows a string of cyber attacks on several government agencies and a rash of online scams. Jackie Pasquale tells us more. Babylin lost her one-month salary of 5,000 pesos after she was told she won 50,000 pesos but needed to send a fee to an e-wallet account. The money was sent, apparently, to a scammer. Taxi driver Nelson says he and his wife also lost money from their e-wallet accounts, but he is not sure how. And despite the SIM registration, he still gets several spam messages. Hindi namin po naman yung akalain na gano'ng mangyayari kasi hindi namin alam kung paano talaga po. Nasaktan po ako siyempre. Pinagtrabawan ko po yun ng isang buwan. Tapos mawawala lang po na isang araw. The Department of Information and Communications Technology plans to talk to e-wallet platforms about the modus operandi of scammers. The ICT wants to review the auto-debit or auto-payments feature because users inadvertently link their e-wallet accounts to suspicious sites or app. Dumadaming reports ngayon na kinakailangan natin pag-ingatan ay yung app-based, yung interconnection ng mga e-wallet sa mga apps na hindi nyo trusted. Ang hindi mo alam, nakasave na pala siya at nag-auto-debit siya, nag-auto-renew siya. D also admits tech scams will not go away even with the SIM registration law, but he notices that scammers are shifting to other platforms such as messaging apps and social media sites. DICT has also partnered with Google, Meta or Facebook and TikTok to raise awareness on cybersecurity measures and to prevent online scams. We are proud and honored to be working with the DICT on uh, cyber threats, uh, fighting cyber threats for the Philippines. So it's our responsibility as a platform to build, uh, to make sure that we uh, properly moderate content on our platform. The second pillar, equally important, is to make sure that there's credible content online. We have conducted digital literacy training in partnership with the ICT, and we look forward to holding more. Uh, one of our first and foremost concerns is safety. Aside from individuals, government is also a target of cyber attacks. Recently, the sites of PhilHealth and the Philippine Statistics Authority were breached. 
A tech and data analyst says government is not prioritizing cybersecurity, which could negatively affect the economy. If cyber attacks worsen, this could discourage companies from investing in the country. Cybersecurity is a priority of this government. It is just unfortunate that we were that we had several uh, cybersecurity issues. The DICT says they are working with lawmakers to strengthen the country's cybersecurity posture and work on a Magna Carta for ICT workers. It is also conducting vulnerability assessment and penetration testings on systems of government agencies as well as cybersecurity training for employees. Jackie Pasqual, ABS-CBN News. Hamas militants released two more Israeli hostages. The two elderly women were reportedly freed on humanitarian and health grounds. They arrived at the Rafah crossing Monday evening, where they were immediately transferred to ambulances. They have since been airlifted to Tel Aviv for medical examination. Over the weekend, Hamas released an American woman and her daughter. All four were among the more than 200 people Hamas took hostage during its October 7 attack on Israel. Any discussions about a Gaza ceasefire can only take place if Hamas frees all hostages seized from Israel. That statement coming from U.S. President Joe Biden shortly after Hamas freed two more of its captives. The fate of more than 200 remaining hostages has complicated Israel's plan for a ground assault on Gaza, which has been put on hold for now. Israel steps up its airstrikes over Gaza as it pledges to dismantle Hamas. Israel pounded hundreds of targets in the besieged enclave, including a tunnel housing Hamas fighters, dozens of command posts, as well as a target in a refugee camp that killed and wounded dozens of civilians. Palestine's health ministry said the death toll from the unrelenting airstrikes has surpassed 5,000. As the civilian toll piles up, former U.S. President Barack Obama offered a warning. In a rare comment on a foreign policy crisis, Obama said any Israeli military strategy that ignores the human cost could ultimately backfire. He adds Israel's decision to cut off food, water and power to a civilian population could erode global support for Israel. A third convoy of aid trucks has passed through the Rafah crossing from Egypt into Gaza. The trucks contain food, water and medicine, but no fuel. The United Nations says while the arrival of much-needed supplies brings relief, the situation in Gaza remains dire, with millions needing immediate assistance. The U.S. said it continues to negotiate for a sustained delivery of aid to Gaza. We want to see sustained uh, traffic going through Rafa delivering humanitarian assistance. And the exact mechanism of how we do that is something that Ambassador Satterfield has been working on with the government of Egypt, the government of Israel, and the United Nations. More Filipinos are wanting to go home amid escalating tensions in the Middle East. 60 Filipino migrant workers from Israel have arrived in Manila, while over 100 more seek repatriation. In Gaza, 136 Filipinos are still trapped at the Rafah border crossing, which is the only way out of the besieged enclave. Despite the ongoing violence, not all of them wish to come home. There is a Filipino nun, and she is are chosen to stay with their fellow nuns to continue her humanitarian and religious work in Gaza. 
Inaasahan po namin na susunod na ang pagbukas ng border para makatawid at makalikas ang ating kababayan sa Egypt. Ngunit hindi namin matiyak pa rin po kung kailan mangyayari ito. Meanwhile, tensions are also escalating in Lebanon, where over 17,000 Filipinos reside, but so far, only 800 have registered for repatriation. The ongoing conflict in the Middle East has killed four Filipinos, while another two remain missing. We're going to take another break now. Still ahead, Saudi Arabia launches what it calls the biggest esports tournament in the world. More on that when we come back. You're watching Dateline Philippines here on ANC. Back with the world news, protesting auto workers in the U.S. expand their strike against Stellantis. The United Auto Workers staged walkouts at the automaker's largest assembly plant. The UAW blamed the latest action by 6,800 workers at the Michigan plant on Stellantis, which the union says offered the worst proposal to resolve the strike. They waited, you know, six weeks into bargaining to get serious. We are where we are. We can get there. We can get we can get a deal done, you know, this week. But we got to get serious. The company's got to get serious and get down to business. But we want to get our members off the picket lines and back to work building the greatest product in America. But we want our fair share. We're not going to continue going backwards as we have been the last 20 plus years. Since September 15, more than 40,000 union members working at Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis have gone on strike. They are demanding a 40% wage hike and improvements in benefits. Criminal groups set at least 35 buses on fire in the Brazilian city of Rio de Janeiro. That's after police killed a crime boss in an operation. The attacks were concentrated in the west of the city where rival criminal groups are fighting for territorial control. Rio's so-called militias often make that often composed of current and former police officers have become one of the region's largest security threats. Originally set up as self-defense forces for poor neighborhoods against drug gangs, they have since transformed into criminal outfits. Switching gears now, esports has been growing for more than a decade now and was even part of the recent Asian Games. And now the online gaming competition is about to get bigger. Saudi Arabia has announced the launch of an annual esports World Cup, which will include the most popular games in the world and have the largest prize pool in esports history. Clubs will compete across games from various genres to become the ultimate esports World Cup champion. The competition will be held in Riyadh starting su the summer, starting in the summer rather, of 2024. And before we go, the dog known to have lived longer than any other canine has sadly passed away. Bobby, a guard dog, spent all of his 31 years and 165 days on this earth in a village in central Portugal. Learn the secret to Bobby's long life by heading on over to news.abs-cban.com. And that'll do it for today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Pramina Constantino. If you want to revisit today's episode, you can play back this newscast on our YouTube channel and on ANC 24-7 on Facebook. Keep it here on the News Channel.